This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick from NHL Now on the NHL Network from 4 to 6 Eastern Time. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Crazy weekend of games. The Rangers game Sunday night was a crazy finish. I had the uh, Devils and Lightning on Saturday. That was a wild one in Tampa. And so uh, entertaining games across the board, across the league. It's fun. Yeah, whenever you get a lot of goals, right? I it, it I was talking about it with Dave last night during the game when we had four goals in a minute and 27 seconds. Why is it that the most entertaining hockey for fans probably drive the coaches the most crazy? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You know, you talk about goals, Donnie, right? Like, you know, like we want more goals in the game. And, you know, we've had this conversation there. It could be, you know, you could have games that are one nothing that are greatly, widely entertaining. And that is really true. Um, but I think, uh, and this kind of, I had this, uh, premonition way back, uh, I guess it was when San Jose played Pittsburgh in the cup final, I guess that was 2016. It was game five in Pittsburgh and the, uh, the fans were revved up. They thought they had a chance to, to wrap up the cup that night. And in the first period of that game, I think there was five goals scored and the place was going wild, just absolutely wild. And San Jose ended up winning that game. But it goes back to, like, last night watching that Rangers-Buffalo game with all those goals happening really quickly, bang, bang, bang. Like, it's really entertaining when you get those goals in in, in a short window of time. And it doesn't always play out like that. But it really, for the fans and for you watching at home, you're just, you know, it's kind of crazy when it happens. And it's fun. So we've got kind of two sides to the coin when we're talking about the Islanders open up the building on Saturday. And... I thought about this, EJ. You, you look at what those fans went through, um, thinking the team was going to move to Kansas City, and then thinking that Brooklyn was a good idea. Uh, Dave brought that up to me yesterday. Why did they think Brooklyn would be a good idea? Their, their roots are out on the island, and then they open up this gorgeous brand-new building, and we'll get to the way they're playing in just a second, but I just felt so good for those fans that they have a home, they've got a building to be proud of, and... I really just felt so good for those fans. You had the f- same feeling. It's it's really amazing. It's really amazing. And you know what is you know you say about Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn was only a good idea because it was closer to Long Island than Kansas City. Right. So you know that's why Brooklyn was a good idea. There was really no other reason why Brooklyn was a good idea. I mean, the, the facility, albeit a nice new facility, was not built for hockey in any way. Intentionally not built for hockey. And uh, the ice uh, plate underneath wasn't very good, and it was substandard to the National Hockey League levels. And there was a lot of things why it wasn't a great situation there. But uh, at the end of the day, it's amazing to see. I mean, this has gone on for decades, Scott. The, the Islanders, you, know, you go all the way back to, you know, when Charles Long bought the team. And there was a talk of maybe a new building, and then there was a talk of that lighthouse project, and then there was a talk of refurbishing. And, I mean, there was just so many different plans and votes on Long Island. And, you know, for me watching it, to think that, you know, I, I felt like they missed the wave, really, because you had, uh, you know, in, in the early 2000s, right, in that window, you had new building at the, in the Rock was built in, in Newark. You had Brooklyn was built. You had uh, MetLife Stadium, in, in, you know, for the Giants and Jets, New Yankee Stadium, City Field, you know, heck, the Tennis Center. They even built new buildings over there. 
there was buildings built everywhere, it seems like, and the Islanders seemed like they missed the wave and they, they didn't get it done. So uh, it's kind of incredible that they were able to finally get this done. And I think there, it's a, from all accounts, I haven't been able to get out there yet, but it's, it's spectacular. And uh, so you're right. For those fans who have really had a tough, you know, they've been kind of in the wilderness a little bit for the last 20 years back and forth to the Coliseum in Brooklyn and maybe losing the team. It's incredible that they have this beautiful new building. So congratulations to the franchise and uh, certainly for the fans, uh, long-suffering fans there to have a place now that's such a nice place to play in. And they know the franchise is going to be locked in for many, many years to come, which is something that they weren't so sure about, uh, you know, when you go back over the last 20 years. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so now let's get back to the ice and the team struggling mightily. First time in over a decade, they've lost six consecutive games all in regulation, and there's a lot of excuses for it, right? You look at the level of competition coming back home, taking on two of the best teams of the league after 13 consecutive games on the road, hit with COVID, vastly shorthanded in the game against Calgary, and then they got some bodies back. Beauvillier was able to play. Uh, So there are excuses, EJ, but still, there, there seems to be some issues there, and you wonder, uh, at some point, do you say goodbye to winning this division, and will it just be a struggle all year for this team to be able to gain enough traction to make the playoffs? We know they're good enough. We know they're well-run. We know that they are well-coached. But can you dig yourself a hole that you literally can't get out of? Well, I think they've already said goodbye to winning the division. So, I mean, I think that might be too big a hill to climb with all those teams in front of them. It's not even the point. It's just there's so many teams. Um, yeah, you can. You can dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of. There's no question. And they do have a lot of excuses. I mean, the the, the, the fact that they've got the COVID problem now where they're, you know, they're missing really important players to their team uh, is, is problematic. I mean, you wonder if they were not – they had not been opening that building on Saturday and then playing subsequently on Sunday if that maybe they would have had the same fate as the Ottawa Senators where they would have had to cancel games. Uh, you know, it's a pretty significant issue they've had there with that. So, you know, that's problem one for right now. Um, they're also missing Adam Pellick, who is, uh, or excuse me, Ryan Pollock, who is, uh, who is out four to six weeks and, you know, Pollock and Pellick are the really, I mean, they're the linchpins of that group from the back end. And whenever you're losing one of those guys, it's a big hole to fill. And then you think about the fact that they had to move out Letty this year for cap reasons. The year before they moved out Kays, um, you know, they've added Char, they have Andy Green. I mean, they are really limited back there now when you think about, you know, the group that they've been playing over the last couple of days. Um, and then Pellick was one of those players that was out with uh, COVID, from what I understand. So, you know, this is an older group, and 
you know, it's okay to be an older group if you have some younger players on the fringe that are that are pushing into the lineup and, and are important role players for your team. But, you know, in the offseason, you know, Lou Lamorello went out and added Fernando Chara and Zach Parisi. I mean, these are two of the older guys in the National Hockey League. And Zach Parisi, you know, from a, from an age standpoint, maybe isn't as, isn't near as old as Chara, but, like, he's got a lot of miles out of the way he's played over the years. I mean, it's like... You know, I used to say that about Ryan Callahan. I mean, Ryan Callahan played his, you know, just played his heart out night after night after night, same as Zach Parisi. And you, you get a lot of miles on it. These guys, both of those guys are not physically big people. So um, even when everybody's healthy, Don, I think uh, there's some challenges there. And right now they're not anywhere near close to that. So um, if they're going to, if they continue to play and, you know, and, you know, they don't get to the point where these games have to get canceled, I mean, they're going to need Sorokin, uh, you know, or you know, or, or the other goaltender. They they need to. They they're going to need to steal games. Because, yeah, that... uh, it, it's problematic right now. I mean, I'm not surprised at all the results over the weekend. I mean, they happen to make matters worse. I mean, the Flames and the Leafs came in two of the hottest teams in the NHL. I mean, the Flames went the next night into Boston and went four nothing with their number two goalie. So. Mm. Uh, you know, the schedule has not been kind, and then the New York Rangers are coming up next, and they seem to win no matter what happens. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough road right now for the Outers. There's no question about it. I uh, wanted to mention the Rangers, and, you know, they get a win last night. Ryan Lindgren with .4 seconds to go. Just a thrilling win. But it's kind of interesting with the Rangers, and we've talked a lot about it before. It's not just good enough to win. You've got to really dissect it. And then the negative that came out of last night is, they're just not getting enough good goaltending from Alexander Georgiev. And Shesterkin's fine, and he's the number one. But you know in this league, your backup's going to have to play north of 20 games, and you can't throw those games away. And I think, you know, last night they were fortunate to get the win in regulation. They got a few nibbles during the offseason um, as far as dealing him. I'm sure you're not going to get much value now if you try to send them. Um, Huska seems to be ready down in the minor leagues to call to come up. Uh, can this team continue to move forward with Georgiev the backup, and is there any place that Georgiev can go right now? Well, the problem is, you know, to try to get him to the minors to play is difficult, right? Because I would imagine at this point he's got a clear waiver, so that will be that'll probably be tricky because somebody might grab him. But you know, maybe you can maybe you carry three for a while. You call up Puska for a particular start and see how he looks. I mean, I think the Rangers are fortunate. They have Shisterka, who's played so very well. Um, obviously, when you're in that situation where your number two is struggling, you got to hope your number one stays healthy and continues to play well. But I think they're going to have to make some decisions there at some point soon. And, you know, they've held on to Georgiev. And I think Georgiev wanted out. Uh, I think, he could, you know, he reads the writing on the wall. Shisterka has been in their system and it's been the heir apparent and he's coming and he's done, there's done he's done nothing wrong he's played great since he got here he went to Hartford for the first half of the season when he arrived in North America was lights out came to the Rangers and it's been nothing but great since then with the exception of having you know the odd injury that's kept him out so he's their guy and unfortunately they've held on to that card to the point now where they're in a position where he has less value because he has not played well um so I would think they would have to look at their schedule and see if they could get maybe get Huska up to play a game and uh, you know see where they're at with him. But they got some decisions to be made. The good news is 
that Benoit Allaire is kind of the you know a magician when it comes to goalies, and we've seen him work magic with a lot of different guys over the years. Uh, you know, you go back to you know Cam Talbot. Nobody thought uh, knew who he was, and he came in, and now he's made a whole career for himself in the NHL. And so I think uh, you know Benoit Allaire is a pretty sharp goalie coach, and he'll work with the goalies that they have within their group, and they'll figure out that uh, you know Georgiev has had these struggles and I give the coach credit last night because you know that was the game they wanted they, you know that's a winnable game it's a game they should win against the Buffalo Sabres and he uh, he took action he put just Durkin in yep. and uh, you know they were able to get the win so uh, you got to give Gerard Gallant some credit I called the Rangers Leafs the other night and I, and I know Toronto lost uh, the night before last before shutting out the Islanders Something's different about this team, EJ. I mean, I, I called a lot of Ranger Leaf games, especially up in Toronto, like 7-5 finals. We know this team can score, but they just seems to be a structure here now. I, I love their deep pairings, all three of them. And, you know, the goaltending, Jack Campbell's been terrific, but I just feel like there's more of a structure, more of a, a sound defensive team. They just look a lot better than they have in the past. And if you wipe away what's happened in the past and just look at them now, I think they're a cup contender. I think this team can win the cup. Is what they're doing sustainable? And have you noticed a, just a different way they're playing hockey? Well, I mean, I think the, the the core guys are older, right? So they've been they've had some pain, they've had some losses, they haven't had the success they want to have. So that's kind of changed the way they probably think about things and what they they know they have to do on a night to night basis. Um, I think Jack Campbell has come in; has been terrific for them. He really has. And Jack Campbell, it's a great story. Dallas Stars, first round draft pick, uh, never really worked there. I'm very familiar with the the former. Chief amateur scout there, Tim Bernhard, who was a former goalie, played for the Leafs in the uh, in the early '80s. And um, you know, Tim made that selection. Joe Newendike was the GM of the Dallas Stars at that time. Tim took a lot of heat for that choice, and eventually he got moved out of there. He went on to, to Arizona to work there for a while, and now he's subsequently retired. But um, you know, in the end, it took time for Jack, and this is why I'm not crazy about drafting goalies with high picks because, you know, if the goalie doesn't play in the league in the first several years, you can't, and if somebody else pops for you, you know, the example I always use is Henrik Lundqvist, right? He was a seventh-round pick. He became the Rangers goalie. They drafted Al Montoya, I think, with the fourth or fifth overall pick. You just never get that back. I mean, you have to trade it. Eventually, you trade it for a second or a third round pick, depending upon how the guy is playing in the minors. But the bottom line is that Jack Campbell, over time, he went to L.A., he kind of found himself, and he comes to Toronto, has had this opportunity. And he's one of those guys, when you listen to him after the game, he's someone that I think the players really like playing in front of. And he's played extremely well. So it's given the defense confidence. I think the Leafs, as a group, understand what it takes to are learning what it takes to win. I don't know when I look at their roster when you get into this playoff series against really good teams if, if they necessarily have what it takes to get through. I thought last year was a great opportunity for them in the North Division, and unfortunately, the injury to Tavares hurt them early, and then they just kind of lost their way. Um, I thought that was the year they were going to make a push. So they've got to get over the first hump, Don, which is to win a playoff series. And that's a big hump, and they haven't gotten over it yet. So I do, I agree with you. I think they've played better so far this year. I think they're playing a harder kind of brand of hockey. 
Jack Campbell has been excellent and has given him the kind of goal setting the night-to-night basis that maybe even Freddie Anderson didn't give him, and he was pretty good for them. So we'll see over time. But the good news is that, uh, you know, they've got guys at the top of the lineup that if they are in a close game late, they can win it for you. And that is something that uh, not everybody has. All right, it's over for Montreal, clearly. Uh, they've played more games than anybody else, and the just record's just not good. But there are some pieces on that team. What is Bergevin willing to move, and do you see them making any trades and start dumping some players here in what's a lost season? That's a good question. I mean, I, I'd i have to go through the list, look at the contracts. I mean, that's just, you know, they've got a lot of bad contracts there right now. And if those, you know, like, you're not trade Josh Anders is not going anywhere. He's got a long contract. Uh, you know, so have about to look to at Foley? those to really... Well, I mean, again, where is he in his deal? I mean, he signed, you know, what does he sign, a three- or four-year contract when he came in there? Did he sign a longer deal? I have to double-check. But, I mean, that's what it comes to in this day and age in the cap world, Donnie, is is what what are the numbers? You know, like, like I've been watching the Arizona Coyotes a lot, believe it or not, because there's a young man on the team, Cam Deneen, who is from New Jersey. I'm very familiar with Cam and his family. I'm good friends with his dad. And so I've been watching their games a lot. And Shane Gostisbehere has played terrific for the Arizona Coyotes. Now, he's got one more year left on his deal. I think he's at four and a half after this, right? The Coyotes are clearly going to be in selling mode at the deadline. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if anybody's willing to even take on that extra year for a left-shot defenseman that can provide some offensive jump for you that can help you on the power play. I mean, like like Shane would really be probably a good fit for the Islanders right now. They really need help on the left side. But the reason they need help on the left side is because they have cap issues and they had to trade away guys. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's the key to me is when you ask me about Montreal, what are the numbers for each of these players involved and – you know, I think they're going to be careful because, you know, they've, they've got some young players there that they really like. I didn't think it was a really smart move to send Cole Caulfield to the minors. I didn't think that really benefited anybody. Uh, but mm. certainly, you know, they've got some work to do there in Montreal. The whole situation with, with Carey Price not being involved, having, you know, the personal issues that he's had. Hopefully he'll be back at some point soon. Shea Weber basically going to be retired now it seems like so that's another big loss for them uh, you know so it's been for all the things that went right right for the Montreal Canadiens right Donnie last spring and into the summer everything has pretty much gone wrong for them yeah this year. It, everything Toffoli's in year two of a four-year contract at 4.25 yeah, that's and you're tough. right Gallagher going nowhere Anderson going nowhere um you know Hoffman's on IR uh, Joel Armia is um, is signed through twenty four twenty five. Lekkinen restricted at the end of the year. He may be him. Uh, Perot free agent at the end of the year. Paquette a free agent at the end of the year. Um, Defense wise, maybe you know, maybe uh, a Sherrod. He's a free agent at the end of the year. So it's certainly nothing that's going to just you know, reinvent the wheel there. Yeah, Sherrod would be a guy that people would really be interested in if his contract expires at the end of the year for sure. Big, strong left-shot defenseman. Uh, but you know what? If you're the Montreal Canadiens, maybe that's somebody you really don't want to give away. <laughs> you want to keep them because those guys are valuable. So, uh, you know, that's something that they will have to 
to think about. But when you, this is the problem with long-term contracts in a cap world, especially when the cap has been relatively flat due to the circumstances we're in. Pretty difficult. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough year for the Montreal Canadiens. But you have to watch. You know, again, you watch these teams, and you know, like I said, I did want to give that kind of shout out to Shane Gossesberg just because I think he's played really well and took a lot of heat in Philadelphia over the years. And you know, there are no perfect players, and you know, even he'll make his mistakes along the way. But I think in a really bad situation in Arizona, uh, the, the combination of the young kid Dylan Mayo and Shane Gossesberg, those they they've played very well together, and even of late. The Coyotes have played better, and, uh, you know, Jacob Chicklin is really still a His numbers are awful. Yeah. Uh, they're just flat awful right now, but you know what? I would take Jacob Chicklin on my team, you know, six days a week and twice on Sunday, as they used to say, because he's a good hockey player, and he's just in a tough situation down there now. And, you know what, they added Wedgwood. They picked him up from the Devils on waivers, and he's played well and given Vanellica a little rest. And Vanellica played very well last night, and it went over the Kings. So... Um, they're a long, long ways away from anything, but that's a team that's going to sell pieces, and I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, what guys get picked off off that group as the as we get, uh, you know, trending into December and January, and then closer to the trade deadline. Now, I know I only got you for a couple of more minutes, but just one more thing I want to throw at you: all this talk about the Nordiques and Gary Bettman's supposed to meet with the Prime Minister there and all that, but what's who? Like you're not going to go to 33 teams. Arizona seems fully committed to stay in Arizona. W- what are they thinking? Where do they believe they're going to get a team to put in Quebec City? The only team I would say, just right off the top of my head, that would go there would be the Ottawa Senators. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, that's a team I think in a perfect world, if the ownership situation was a little more stable in terms of, you know, the big money behind it with Eugene Melnick um, has been there and kind of teetering for a while. Um, they would love to have a rink in downtown Ottawa, which would be beautiful, as you know, having traveled there many times. I mean, the rink is out in the suburbs. Yeah. It would be wonderful to have a new building in downtown Ottawa, which I think would be fantastic. So, you know, when I think of all the teams, you're right, you say who? Yeah, the Arizona Coyote situation is a mess. There's no question about it. But they are committed to getting a new building in about three years out there, you know, with Arizona State University. And, you know, unless that completely falls apart and the people I talk to out there feel pretty good about it, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere. If they do go anywhere, I think they'd be looking at going to Houston or something like that. They're not coming to Quebec City. Ottawa, from a geographic standpoint, it's close. It doesn't really change too much about the structure of the league. And so is that a possibility? I mean, I would guess, but that is just a complete guess on my part. But I don't see anybody else, like you say, and I don't see the league going to 33 teams at, at, at any point soon. So, you know, I think if you end up going, you know, if you're going to go past 32, which they're just out now, which I think is a really good number for them, then you really got to think about 36. Right. And I don't think they're thinking about four more franchises. No, they're so you're not, not going to play that. in 33 or even 34. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't see it, but, uh, you know, there, there's a passion there. And, uh, you know, when there's a passion and when there's, if there's the financial resources, I mean, in Winnipeg, the, the owner there is one of the richest men in the world. So that's why Winnipeg is in Winnipeg. That's why the Jets are there, because they have somebody with the financial resources 
to make that happen in a smaller market. Um, I don't know if that person is in Quebec, Quebec City, but, uh, you know, I guess time will tell. Stranger things have happened in sports, but the only thing I could think of, Don, is if the Ottawa Senators, if the ownership thing went went bad there or they just could never get a building downtown and or if somebody wanted to come in and make a huge offer to buy it and move it, I mean, I could see that as a possibility, but that's it. Yeah. No, it, make, it makes perfect sense. They have struggled with attendance. Their building is way outside the city, and you wouldn't have to train the structure at all. They would just go to Quebec City, stay in the same division, and and that's yep. the way it would be able to move forward there. I know you got to go. Thanks so much for your time. Great job of the Lightning and the Devils on the NHL Network on Saturday, and I will talk to you next week. All right, you got it, buddy. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you too. Happy Thanksgiving, EJ. That's EJ Raddick. Catch him on the NHL Now on the NHL Network from 4 to six. He had some time constraints today, but wanted to get him in, and I do appreciate the sacrifices that he makes. But that's pretty interesting. The Ottawa Senators, right, struggling with attendance. The team has not been good for a while. A lot of different situations where you can just move them and bang. They're right there in the Atlantic Division, and it just moving forward, and you'd be able to create a rivalry with Montreal. Um, it's not that far, really, from Quebec City either. I think it's just an hour and a half between Montreal and uh, Ottawa, and I think uh, Quebec City is maybe two, two and a half hours north of Montreal. So you're kind of, you might even be able to keep the same fan base. A lot of those Senator fans might say, say, "Heck, I got no love for the Leafs or the Canadians. I'll just, I'll follow Quebec City and uh, make that work, even though it's a different province, but it, province, but it's still kind of close." So never thought about that, but that's a good job out of EJ. You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast is you get to know a lot of the listeners and people that that take the time out, carve out the time to be able to listen to this show. And one of the best ones we've had from the very beginning uh, is Courtney, and she reached out to me, and I want to be able to to share this with you. Uh, You could follow Courtney, by the way, at at Court Fall. That's C-O-U-R-T-F-A-L-L. She says, hi, Don. Just wanted to share some tough news. My mom is back in the battle against cancer, pancreatic this time, and is going to be having surgery next Tuesday, the 30th. Game misconduct in hockey will definitely be our escape from everything. And I just wanted to thank you for the much-needed distraction. Last night was fun with the Ranger game. Please keep her in your thoughts and prayers, and I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. And right back at you, Courtney. So, Great job letting us know about that, and hopefully all the fans of Game Misconduct can reach out to Courtney and just send your thoughts and prayers to her because she's so so much fun to read her tweets, and um, it's tough to hear that news, but we'll be praying uh, for her mom for sure. Victor says, thoughts on the Devils game versus the Bolts. Love seeing them not give up. Blackwood looked spectacular. The <laughs> one save he had on that 2-1-0 was great. Uh, maybe they can keep uh, afloat till Hughes gets back. The division is uh, my only worry. Also, the black third jersey leak hmm, feels just wrong. You know, they I, I don't like it either. I just don't know what everybody's infatuation is with black in sports. Right? It goes back to Jerry Glanville from the Atlanta Falcons. There's an intimidation factor. And Stop. There's no black in the devil's colors. I didn't mind going back to the Christmas tree jerseys because that's what they started out in the league. And, you know, I, I, listen, everybody wants a third jersey. Um, I'm not in love with it, but listen, I'm 53 years old. I don't know how old Victor is. He's not feeling it, but they obviously do the work, and the feeling seems to be that fans want it, so whatever. But you're right about the Metropolitan Division. I mean, just so many good teams right now. That's why it's so important for the Rangers to get many, as many points as you can. That's why the Islanders are in trouble, even though they only played 15 games, to have just 12 points in 15. You know they're going to rattle off a bunch of wins, but you heard EJ say, bye to, the, to, to winning the division. 
you know, and now you might be just struggling to be a wild card. And instead of taking on the elite teams like the Floridas, the Carolinas, and the Tampas uh, in the conference final, you might have to play them in the first round, which could be an early exit and a really disappointing season. Uh, let's go to Panorama V2. says, can the Islanders get out of the slump between the long road trip and now injuries COVID? Is it a little too late for them to turn it around? I believe they can put uh, – I believe they could, but it has to start the next game, and it certainly does. Here's the thing with the Islanders, too, is that there's a lot of things wrong, but they're just not scoring goals. And I think Lou will make a move. But you got to do it sooner than later. It, it does get away from you quick. You know, there's a lot of games. And listen, if you take a look at the Islanders over the last couple of years, they're able to finish high because they'd rattle off like 14 out of 15. You know, unbeaten in 12, something like that. They're going to need to go on that type of a run. So what I look at in sports is like, can you get to 500? Can you get to above 500? Can you stay above 500? These are the little baby steps you need to make. And you know, right now uh, with their record and their struggles right now. I mean, they've got the same amount of points as the Canadiens. Now, Montreal's in trouble because they've played five more games than the Islanders, and the Islanders do have games at hand on teams, but you take a look at where they are in the standings, just 12 points, 5-8-2, a minus 16 goal differential. I mean, that's that's tied with Ottawa. I mean, they're playing some of the worst hockey uh, there is, and if you take a look at, all right, so you're seven points back of the Devils for that last wild card spot with a game in hand, so that's certainly doable, and Philadelphia's only got 19 points, but when you look at the the Rangers with 25, they do have three games in hand on them, but you're talking about having to make up 13 games. They've got four games in hand on Washington, but you're also talking about making up 15 points, and they're, they got a game in hand on Carolina for first place, but first, Carolina has got 28 points. I mean, you're 16 points behind. You're, you're more points behind than you have. And now they're going to be uh, taking on the Rangers, which is a big rivalry situation on Wednesday. That should that building should be up for grabs. I'm going to have the call of that game, my first appearance at UBS Arena, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, Richard says, the Washington Capitals have crept into the top five discussion what is it about them that keeps them at the top year after year? And it's been quite a run. In particular, how important has Ted Leonsis been to their success? Solid ownership is very, very important. They've always been well coached. I love Peter Laviolette. Before him, you had Barry Trotz and you know um, coaches in between, but they've always had good coaching. But when you've got, and listen, Backstrom's been hurt, but when you have guys that are going to go to the Hall of Fame. Ovechkin's going to the Hall of Fame. Backstrom's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, Carlson's a tremendous player on the blue line. They've always had very consistent goaltending. Uh, Vanacek has been good this year with Sam, uh, Samsonov. Before that, you had Holpe with those big 40-plus win seasons. So they've always been solid in the places you need to be solid, right? Special teams, good. Goaltending's been good. Uh, they've always had that trouble in the playoffs getting those timely goals, but they kind of figure that out winning the Cup. But, you know, exceptionally well-run team, and that's why they're always consistently good every single year. And, and Ovechkin's been on fire. Quieted down in Seattle last night. That was a disappointing loss as um, Seattle ends their six-game skid. But, you know, long road trip for Washington, but a couple of goals uh, the game before. So Ovechkin just climbing up the ladder. Next up, uh, very soon, he'll be third all-time passing Yarmir Yager. Let's take a look at the schedule tonight. Slew of Monday games. Buffalo second of back-to-back. They're going to be home against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Vegas will be in St. Louis at 8. That should be fun. Anaheim had their winning streak snap, but still playing terrific hockey. He'll be in Nashville against the solid Predators team. 
Avalanche very quietly have won four in a row, home for the Ottawa Senators at 8.30. Penguins, a very up-and-down season. They'll be in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. Sharks home for Carolina. So that long road trip coming to an end for the Hurricanes, but still an amazing 14-2. 16 games played for Carolina. They've won 14 of them. It's been unbelievable. All right, here's the setup for the rest of the week. I'm going to try to do a podcast from the UBS Arena on Wednesday. Now, there's a lot going into Wednesday's broadcast, and let me explain. It's the busiest travel day of the year. All right, so I live in Central Jersey. I got to go out to the island to call the game, and I got to do the Michael K show. So I'm going to leave very early in the morning, make sure that I'm there to beat all the traffic. And if everything goes well, and I figure out where I'm going to be able to park and get set up with Chris Majkowski, my engineer, I should have time to kill to be able to put up a podcast on Wednesday. But everything can change. If the traffic's horrendous and I'm scrambling, I'll keep you alerted on Twitter. But my plan is from UBS Arena on Wednesday to do a podcast. Uh, There will not be one on Friday because I got the Ranger game uh, at 1 o'clock with the Bruins, and then I got to dive right into the Michael K show. So I want to make sure I get a podcast up for Wednesday so I'll be able to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving and be able to take you into what's going to be a busy second half of the week into the weekend. So pay attention on Twitter. I'll try to keep you updated, but my plan is to do one from the arena coming up on Wednesday. But the best laid plans, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Want to get in touch with me at Don LeGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Enjoy your Monday of hockey. Got a bunch of games uh, on uh, Monday, only three on Tuesday, but we'll take it and we'll reconvene coming up on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LeGreca.